what is your philosophy when it comes to like what what is success to you? Quite honestly speaking, if you're not happy, don't do it. I put myself in a situation where I stayed in a job for ten years, and I was very unhappy. The views, information, and opinions expressed in this podcast and this YouTube channel are solely the views of the individuals involved. It does not reflect the views of their organizations, employers, and employees, past, present, and future. Like this show? Then rate it five stars and subscribe to us on YouTube, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Uncool is a podcast by creatives at work. It is produced, written, and hosted by Sean Lee Wincheong and co-hosted by Yenling Lo, co-produced by Raven Lim, and edited by Ray Ng. Uncool. It's cool to be uncool. Our guest actually has done both of that. She left the TV industry, went on to do other things not exactly related to TV, and has come back to TV over the past few years, right? And at a time when, honestly, it's a time when no one really watches television anymore. That's why uh, I say uh, she is xiao. Okay, <laughs> I kept saying uh, you, everybody tell you come back, you crazy. Uh. So you know, I'm just going to let her introduce herself. So I'm, I'm Eurasian, and, but of uh, German descent. So like my ancestors, like I'm fifth generation German, so 250 years, right? But because there's been so in many interracial marriages within my family, my mom's Chinese, so it's like kind of obvious that I look like her, right? So yeah. Yeah. So, I, there you go. So actually, I, I didn't guess at all. <laughs> I'm, I'm Singaporean. You know, I'm I'm Eurasian. I'm like you know, yeah. So I started off with commercial producing lot, and then I left, and then uh, for like twelve years. So it's only recently in two thousand and twenty that I like decided to come back to this industry. I mean, it's it's like a complete zodiac cycle, right? Doing the yeah, stars and when the stars align, <laughs> you will right? come back. <laughs> Well, my partner at that time, uh, and he thought like it would be awesome to work together. And he's not from the industry, um. And I was like, you know, okay lah, you know, like okay, never do that, okay, people. I never, okay, never. <laughs> I never, never give up your own self or someone else, okay, never. But then, like, love is love, then right? So we do foolish things lah, but no regret. So I left and and after working with him for a couple of years, I was okay. Absent does make the heart grow fonder. Don't do it, you know. So I I decided to uh you know go back to actually what I majored in which is uh marketing and public relations. Um yeah so uh left working with him and I begged for a job in the luxury resorts industry. Um, and that's the reason why I like back to it because uh, it's a it's a you know a chain of resorts in Bali and like Bali is like my favorite island, yeah. And then I get to go. Oh, so you had to work there. You had to like relocate over there. It was more like a um sixty forty. So I was allowed to work from here, and forty uh, percent of my time would be spent in Bali la. And you know, I I worked with some of my very favorite people like. So now they are they're my favorite people uh, you know the owners the general manager we got along really really well i mean it was really a dream you have your own villa someone to drive me around even though the office is like five minutes walk away so you actually had a dream job so leaving yeah, at did. that time of leaving at that time was actually I, I guess in some ways you felt like you had to leave because you needed a break 
from whatever working arrangement you had, but then you you went on to such a great opportunity. I did, I did. I, I went on to a great opportunity. I worked with, you know, some of my most favourite people, love them to bits and pieces. I mean, they're starting another resort now in Lombok, so I'm really looking forward to, to you know, spending some time there with them as well on a leisure, leisure, so yeah. Alright, so so you're not working in the resort side anymore. I don't know like they haven't called me yet, so who knows like you know these are people I can't say no to, right? So, <laughs> uh, but no, no, no. I mean, they went on to. I mean, eventually, um, you know, the owner sold his his resort, and they're now starting another resort. But then, I've actually stayed on. You know, I'm still in some way part of the resort as well in Bali. I see. So, whoa, you're also wearing quite a few hats right now as well used to be much more active but now i've kind of like you know i've been focusing much more on uh, you know producing tv shows i've been focusing more on that because me as a producer and sean would know like it's a it's like a 16 hour job every day like me or even more as a producer you kind of start you know right from the beginning of a project which means that that process would take you from nine months to you know nine to twelve months before it's finally delivered um you you really it's so hard as a producer to have the bandwidth to do other things really yeah so what brought you back like what tell us about this project that you know after after 12 years and a zodiac <laughs> you decided to come back Actually, it's really, really funny, but there's more to it. So uh, at that same time, uh, managing the resorts as well, working with, uh, you know, David, my best friend, and, you know, um, who was here having breakfast with me this morning. She and I started a school for, like, really, really young kids. And if that wasn't enough, I also started a cross-training studio with, like, yoga as a base. That was what I was doing before like a good you decided friend to come back in one fateful afternoon <laughs> she's so she's so confusing right it's like what what business bali resort this resort uh, for kids education for years old then after that yoga is like wow so many people you're working yeah, with there's a reason, no there's a reason for it actually i selectively chose it uh, fast forward nine years later a good friend of mine um you know from my tv days my film days we've We've, you know, spoken to each other, you know, sometimes and I have so much respect for him. You know, I really love his work. He's one of those directors I've always said I wanted to work with and, and yeah. And and he asked me, he, he called me one afternoon and he says, Hey, wanna come back and produce? So like, yeah, here here is where I am. So it's just like your friends like, hey, come back and it's like, okay law, come back law. No, 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 no. <laughs> There's another story behind that story also why I came back. Oh my goodness. It's and why why he called you? I mean, I mean, you went away for like so many years really, and then he, he called you of all. I mean, of course you are great, and that's why he called you. But after so many years, he will call you. That's uh, why. I mean, what what's the story there? Oh, what's the story is because he had recently directed a really good series, and I was very very uh impressed. We reached out to each other after many years of not speaking and, and I you know I said hey you know I really liked what you did and he's like oh my god you're like a blast from the past can we like catch up and he spoke to me and before I left the industry I was also directing a bit and he knew of that and, and that's one of the things he said like would you consider coming back to direct or to produce and I was like I don't know maybe but it was not like no 
you know, I think over the years, although we, we didn't speak so often then, but over the years, every time he had like something, he would check in with me and say, hey, so now how can, can you like, come back and produce now? Like, no, cannot. Like, really sure, like, no, cannot. Yeah, so I think it was one of his efforts, la, you know, again. Oh, wow, wow. Yeah, I mean, you must have made a pre- impression like way back when, right? Like 12 years ago when you guys were working together and then that actually, you know, 12 years down the road, if somebody really wants to work with you, I think um, it was a special effort, lah, I would think. Yeah. By you more, more so than him, <laughs> that he wants to work with you after so many years. But how was it like for you then? So long, you've not been doing it. And I mean, even producers now and directors who've been doing it day to day have said it has changed a lot. What was it like for you just suddenly coming back into the industry after so long? I mean, I think I think first and foremost, uh, the timing was really, really good. In my opinion, the timing was really, really good. I mean, we were, you know, we were in very, very unpredictable times. So, I mean, whatever expectations that, you know, a producer is, you know, expected to, you know, to, to, to do, right, kind of like thrown right out of the window, you know. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. 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 The correct. rules changed. The rules changed completely for us in production. And I think for me, it's, I mean, there's just so many things that kind of made it work. Uh, and it, it was a very pleasurable experience as well. I mean, I came back like three months before COVID happened and, at that time, you know, we still had that three months of like, you know, um, that, that we were still meeting, we were still establishing our characters, you know, that kind of thing. So we were in writer's room and all that, right? So we were doing all our planning. To be honest, it actually uh, worked to my benefit. Not. It did, it did. It worked to my benefit because everything was on lockdown, which means that my writers could really put in 101%. It also worked to my benefit because there was like no distraction. So I was working very closely with the head writer and also my commissioner. Uh, and we were, you know, we had the time to really look at the script and, and, and change it, you know, to what would best appeal to our audience. So, I mean, the inconvenience really, heads off to my casting director during that time, Jocelyn, we actually was a, uh, in terms of auditioning, we were auditioning through tapes. And uh, I remember this evening where she was, she had sent over the link to all our potential leads. And uh, I had spent uh, 12 hours straight watching casting tapes. And you know, you're not going to be able to do all of that, right? If you were still functioning as a society out there running around. That's true, yeah. There are actually certain parts of production that it's very intense behind the computer. You just you just need to sit down and focus about it, but people don't people forget about it. Or, or like when you're on set and stuff, right? So when I had to hire my crew, right? I had to call them and like talk to them and you know, decide on who to work with, right? Nobody could tell me I'm busy, I'm working, I'm on set. It's like, no choice. Like, Emma called like, okay, no choice. I have to talk to her because I have no excuse to say I'm busy, right? I worked with some really good people while, you know, doing my pre-coding, uh, when I was doing the pre-production. I mean, of course, I had my director friend who was directing the, the, the series as well. And that made me very, very comfortable because he said, like, you know, don't worry, don't worry, just come back, just come back. Like, if anything, I'll help you out. Like, 
anything, whatever it is, like just tell me and I'll try to help you out. Like, yeah, that was kind of reassuring. And, and then I worked with a, a really good writer, my head writer, June, and we were working at, you know, together going on. And, and, and also my production support from the office itself, my production manager at the time, um, in, in terms of office production manager, I had a different one during my series, but um, Lemon and she was fantastic. She kind of guided me all the way and she was giving me all the templates and she was explaining everything to me and she was extremely patient, which made it a lot easier. And she was kind of like filling in, you know, the, the little pockets of like, okay, what do I do here? And she was like telling me. Also, I must say, um, so before I left the industry, of course I have this, director friend that I, I've stayed extremely close to. Um, but I also have some other friends in the industry, you know, um, people like, you know, uh, John Fu as well, who I remember calling and like, oh, I need a first AD. Do you have anyone to introduce to me? You know, Janine, who used to be my colleague, but then she, she's a lecturer now. And, you know, I had all these people that I was working with before, like 12 years before. and. And I was calling them and I was speaking to them and they were actually also helping me a fair bit as well. Desmond as well, who's, who does more commercial work, but he was also giving me a lot of context and a lot of recommendations. So it wasn't like, you know, I was like, okay, come back to nothing. I came back to, you know, the, the, the friends I had before. That's nice. That's such a nice, warm experience. Yeah, 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 yeah. It was, it was just, it's just so hard for me. It's like, oh my goodness, it's like I haven't really seen you. But, you know, it's just like, it's really nice when you can just like pick up the phone, right? Or text or like, hey, hi, I know we haven't spoken in 12 years, but I kind of need a first AD. You know, and you're like, hey, Emma, no problem. And they're like, wow, you know, like the whole wow. list come right out, right? And you go like, oh my gosh, you know. And of course, this series you're talking about is a teenage textbook, which you can now streaming on MeWatch. Uh, and just also to date Emma a bit, I'm so sorry to do this, Emma, but it's like a 360 for you because years ago, you were also part of the teenage textbook feature film. So that, that was like an adaptation. This is like a reboot, right? The one that the TV one series that you did. The one that was a reboot, yes, correct. Okay, okay. It sounds like a coincidence, but why do you keep coming back to teenage textbook? You know, does the book like resonate with you or something? And why? And, and what are you doing for the the... Of the previous one and for this one. Yeah, I think the universe kind of knew I really wanted to meet the author, la, you know. I really want to meet Adrian. La. Then I didn't get to meet him before, you know, because he was like, he was like my little Bible, right? Growing up as a teenager. So I think the universe kind of gave me a second chance. La. But okay, anyway, speaking of the universe, it's, I mean, it works in funny ways, right? Before I left the industry, I was, I, you know, I came into the industry at quite a late age as well, in my late 20s. So, turning turning back in time, right? So, before I left the industry, um, I was also, I felt like if I wanted to have a long-term career in, in the media industry, I needed to really understand the full aspect of the industry as well, as, um, as a whole. So, I was actually doing uh, distribution of content. That's one of the reasons how, why I'm so close to some of the other, you know, uh, fellow practitioners of our industry, like the veterans. It's because we used to travel the circuits together. So, we used to go to Cannes, to Hong Kong, Shanghai Film Festival, Beijing Film Festival. We used to do all of that, you know, the whole festival thing. And, and I was like living, you know, out of a suitcase most of the time. Well, I was working for Mega Media. I was working with uh, Jonathan Fu, you know, 
and they were the executive producers of the teenage textbook the movie so teenage textbook right uh the movie um i would i actually sold the rights to a channel in the u.s back then and it was actually the first movie right so i was i was representing like five thousand hours of content but teenage textbook right was the first movie that was on my table it was the first movie that was given to me to distribute. So actually, when my director friend asked me to come back to produce, right, I really, I mean, yeah, I mean, I, I didn't say no, but I wasn't, you know, entirely convinced la, because I've had, I've left the industry for so long and it was more of a confidence thing. And, but when he said it was for the teenage textbook, right, I was like, oh. like I found it really hard to like give him uh, like something or something like no I'm not coming back right so I was like wow I'm so drawn to it you know and I was like okay okay I need to be certain that this is the right thing to do so I called up my ex-boss Jonathan and I said hey they want to do a series and then Jonathan said do it lah do it yeah I was like okay do I have your like support then he's like yeah do it do it completely i give you my full support right he says you want original music tracks whatever you want from behind the scenes whatever it takes you let me know like i'll give i'll give you the support for it right yeah so honestly if it was any other series i wouldn't i'm not sure if i would be here but yeah it had to be the teenage textbook it really had to be a teenage textbook to want me to return to this industry Wow, okay. Wow. So it's really the stars aligning. I mean... <laughs> you know, and, and, and since then, you were saying that your upcoming projects, which you may or may not be liberty to say now, are also adaptations or reboots. What is it with you and adaptations and reboots? Uh, actually, I don't especially vibe with reboots or adaptation. Uh, I resonate with the story. That's really me. Um, actually, in my next series, which I'm adapting, right, has already been made for TV. And it was produced by me. But because we received very, very high ratings for it, uh, they have requested for it to be adapted to actually reach a wider audience. I do have a group of people that I, you know, uh, that I constantly sit with and we discuss original ori- original story ideas uh, and we've been working on a few and, and of course we hope to get it commissioned because the couple of stories that we come out with uh, you know we, 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 we really really like it uh, you know I like to take on my own challenges and uh, constantly I'm always trying to think out of the box so you would expect that whatever I want to work with or whatever I, I'm working on right I, I would prefer to work on original stories, unless I really resonate with, uh, with, with whatever it is that I'm adapting. But because, to be honest, right, adapting is about respect. And you have to respect the original producers, whether it's the author, whether it was made into a film like the Teenage Textbook and all that. you got to respect the original, you know, people that were behind it. And one of the things you, which, when it comes to respect, is that you have to make sure that you know you do something that they can they, they you know when when adaptation comes into play it's really about because it was so good before it needs to be adapted and you just got to make sure that you know it's not a matter about being better that's never my intention i think what it is is to be able to turn around and say thank you for doing such a good job and on that note of reboot reboot your business marketing plans with a podcast whatever your business is we will make a plan for you 
Drop us an email at contact.creatives.work.asia to find out how we can do that for you. You mentioned a few other things like you're doing, like your yoga studio and your kids' school. Are you still doing those? No. Well, of course, you only have 24 hours a day, Yanning. <laughs> how many things get... <laughs> I don't know. But, but, but exactly, what have you actually taken away from running those operations uh, into, you know, and, and into producing? I mean, okay, remember when I said that everything was very selectively chosen. I wanted, I begged for the job in, in Bali because actually the honest truth is I just wanted to go to Bali, you know? My favourite island, like, yeah. And then like, oh, what better way someone pay, pay my airfare. It's more the location than the job, basically. Yeah. No, but, but then the job came as like a, you know, the, the people that I work with like came as an extra, extra bonus and early Christmas present for years, right? Yeah. So I really had a, you know, run with the resorts, like, you know. The school is because I love kids. I really, really love kids. That's one of the reasons why we started the school. And I mean, what better person to work with is with your best friend, you know. And and it's a lot of people say, like, you must be crazy. Never work with your best friend. I agree with that, you know. It happened to me as well. Yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah. There, there is a, there's a reason why this type of cliches exist, okay? <laughs> I mean, as much as people tell you uh, cliches, uh, stereotypes, uh, uh, yeah, very, very passe, but there's a reason why they exist, okay, Yanding? Okay, but anyway, <laughs> back but to you, Emma. But there is a reason why we are still best friends. In fact, she was at my house this morning, you know, Saul. She's the head teacher, and that is something that I give her. I'm there to support, so which means to say anything that she tells me in terms of the curriculum and in terms of what I need to do, then I take lead on that. There was never like, oh, I'm an equal shareholder and therefore I have to be heard. No, it was a fact that when you came in, when you come into that, you know, aspect of the job, right, that she's the boss. And it was very similar with the marketing part of it, you know, with, with you know, the, the other aspect of the business, which she was very respectful. She was, she, she was like, oh, you do your thing and, and just tell me what I need to do. I think it's because of that respect, uh, that's why, you know, we're still, you know, best friends uh, till now, you know. What differentiated your center, actually, your, your education center? What was the differentiating point as a business? It was very sensorial, like learning, but also uh, Saul and I, we are, we are very passionate about working with uh, kids with uh, intellectual disabilities. So, or have been branded. Um, so we focus on the very, very young uh, you know, very, very young kids which parents felt that there was something wrong with them or like, okay, and it makes me a little bit upset talking about it because I think our kids are being branded very, very early on if they do have any form of disabilities. And I mean, to be very honest, right, like I'm very, very sure that I'm ADHD. I'm very sure that I have a slight case of OCD as well. That's why you're a producer, ma, you OCD. <laughs> never... <laughs> a lot of producers are never... you. <laughs> you are working with kids who are branded who have these problems. Yeah, I, I have a, no, I have a problem with branding. I have a problem why people are just so quick to like give them tags and you know, I it's just like it kind of changes things quite a lot and it seems to be a lot of kids that are this way and it was never like that when I was growing up, you know. Especially liked working with kids that have that maybe some people have formed the opinion but actually it has turned out to be you know some of these kids are really really gifted very very you know high iq level uh, 
they, they, they may have certain issues with like you know a certain aspect of their, their, their learning but then in other aspects they are really amazing they're so much they're so smart so extremely intelligent so yeah so realize that you know in order to to help them la, so-called right because their parents you know being parents we, we get very worried when people tell us there's something wrong with our children right um is that we realize that with learning it's play as you learn it's not about sitting at a desk it's, you know dancing around and yeah kind of thing so yeah so that's what we wanted to very much focus on and we were we were doing really well i mean we were doing shows at the malls as well i was a mascot on the weekends as well like literally you dress up and you mascot yeah, and you go, go to my social media you see me in a bear outfit yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that, 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 that's pretty funny i mean with adhd then i'm physically always very active so I started this cross-training yoga-based studio because it's a place for me to work out. <laughs> it was completely, so it was completely self-serving. Yes. But that actually makes sense, you know, because I always get people who think, you know, like I hear a lot of businesses start out, start, start out like that. Like, I like it, I keep eating this, so why don't I just cook it myself and sell it? Or, you know, I, I like to read comics, so why don't I just open a shop and sell comics, and I can read comics all day and sell comics. Because you like to work out, so you open this workout place, we, and then you... There was some part. We, we have partners involved in that law. So they, they came to me and said, hey, we got money to invest. Like, what should we do? Well, like, okay, then, you know, there's certain workouts I really want to do. I like the bar stuff and I like the, you know, the, the cross-training stuff. I said, we're yoga-based, you know, like, okay, let's do that. Can't just do in yoga all the time. I cannot. Um, you know, Emma, you should have just said, you know, you have money and I should invest with it. What should I do? Should I just sit by Tesla stock? With the rich and famous, la, they're not going to... <laughs> They like probably I don't know, man. They have probably a, like a special relationship with you know. How did those endeavors go, and then what makes you not do them anymore? So I mean, with the luxury resorts, it was bought over by a conglomerate, uh, and uh, you know the chairman at that time was saying like, hey, you know, he was saying, hey, join me on the board of directors, but then you know, uh, when you go off and do your own. Stuff, like go off and do stuff as well, you know, and he's like, you know, see what else you want to do. So one of the things that we talked about was this, you know, cross-training of the yoga studio. But then I always said, like, I would open it, I would start it, I would set the SOP, but then I would let the other people, you know, we would have other, my other partners run it at the same time also. So still part of luxury resorts business. And that, that I was actually in active duty. I was still doing a lot of, work for them and it was just impossible for me to start a yoga studio you know and and at that same time still be in active duty with the resorts you know and as well as at that same time my best friend and i decided we'll start the school wow okay so, so many moving parts huh? there were yeah there was just so many things going on so i had to take a pick of which it is that i wanted to concentrate more on and my choice was very obvious. Uh, choice was, you know, committing myself uh, to the educational business um, with my best friend. Just, you know, there's so much love there and I wanted to give her that commitment. Um, also, it's because, you know, like I said, I love kids as well and we've been working with special needs kids. And that's what we said right from the very beginning when we were, you know, preparing to start our school was that we wanted to focus on, on these kids specially i kind of said to everyone okay i'll start the yoga studio i'll let it run i did that you know i i took myself out of active duty from the resorts business but then i'm still 
kind of very much a part of that as well. And then we had the school. So we were running it for like four, five, four years. And uh, it was getting very tiring because we were running the school for seven days in a week. And uh, my partner, and especially for her, because she was the head teacher, she was, you know, it was it was crazy for her seven days a week, right? And so our lease had run out and we were running out and the both of us had a conversation about this and we said, Hey, you know, like what do we do? Do we renew it? Because we had already renewed it once. And she said, We need a bigger space. If we were to grow, we would need a bigger space. And we both agreed that our current location there was just some of these challenges and we said, Okay, let's look for a bigger space. And she said, okay, let's finish up the classes all by December. And then we take a break for three months. And then once we take a break for the, that three months, then we can start looking for it. And then we can start renovating and then getting the school in place and the curriculums and all that in place again for the new term by the second or third quarter of the following year. So that was the plan. We, we finished the classes. We did not renew our lease. And then um, at that same time, my director friend came back and said, hey, you want to produce this? And I was like, okay, la, I got some time now because I can't sit still. So I was like, okay, la, I got some time now, maybe, you know. I promise you, okay, they said that I didn't have to commit so much into the project because we were not supposed to be filming it in Singapore. We were supposed to be filming it across the causeway because we needed the space and the volume people i feel you for the school setting so we had found a school across the causeway and we were all ready to bring in hundreds of people into our scenes and all that right so they said you just need to supervise the line producer ah, in malaysia i'm like okay can then no filming it no in Malaysia and then at the same time uh, my partner she took her rest but then she also needed to find a way to like kind of supplement her whole, whole income so she she went back to doing what she really is extremely good at which is writing they're launching the new bird park and you know everything that you read at that park is it's written by her ah okay okay so she went back to doing that in preparation for the opening of the the new bird park and yeah so and then we, we kind of like got together again and said okay so how do we still do this do we not do this what do we do with our school and then she's like i'm moving away like, oh, oh <laughs> so it ended like <laughs> I see. Well, one chapter, one chapter. How about that CrossFit yoga? Yeah, so gym? I set it up and I let that extremely talented, extremely hardworking, extremely good manager manage that. Are you a trader actually? You only work out or you also can? Yeah, I just I just go and work out only. She just walk in like in I, a free pass I, basically. We pay the trainer to come and teach us how to work out. It's what they say about running a business, right? You always set up the business, get the system running, and then you let other people do for yeah, you. Yeah, it's a okay. perfect business. But yeah, it, basically. In a sense, it's like a perfect business. Yeah. So, Emma, I, what I'm hearing, right, is that you are such a free spirit, which to a lot of people, uh, even myself included, right, it's, it's not a very conventional path to be taking, right? It sounds amazing, but I myself... 
I, I don't know whether I'll be able to make so many big decisions so quickly over you know a short period of time, relatively short period of time. What I, I want to know what is your philosophy when it comes to like what what is success to you, and what's your philosophy in life to follow that? Quite honestly speaking, um, if you're not happy, don't do it. That's my philosophy. Like a very wise person once said to me, like if you if you're not happy, don't do it. Right? I mean, a lot of times we are very much dependent on you know how we make our money, right, or how much money we make, and. In my honest opinion, right, is that I'm happy when I'm not thinking about all of that. You know, uh, like I say, all my choices in terms of starting my business is really or self-serving. You know, it's really the love of the kids, and it's really because I, I myself it work out. You know, I I like the fact that I have a whole community that I work out with as well. Like, and then you, you know, with your resorts business, right? So you like that's that's my happy place. You know, I, everyone who knows me knows that that's my happy place. So to be able to work in your happy place makes me a happy person, right? It's like waking up is not a chore. And I mean, I feel like we cannot compromise. Well, I can't. Maybe maybe someone else can, but I cannot compromise on that. Yeah, I think it's because of that, right? Because my intentions or why I do certain things, it's not... Monetary, of course, that would be great if we make a lot of money, obviously, right? But it's not, it's not the key primary reason of why I do I do what I do. It never is. I made this mistake when I was a lot younger. I put myself in a situation where I stayed in a job for ten years. You know, I I worked with some my bosses were really really good. I must say that you know my I had some really really good bosses, but. And I made really good money from from that industry itself. Um, you know, I, I'm not going to mention which industry this is. And I spent ten years. I was very recognized in the industry. Um, and I was very unhappy. I was just really, really unhappy. I was making so much money, but just unhappy. You know. So I tell myself that. So this was before Megabedia. This is before. This is way. Okay. This is. Okay. 10 years before. All right. Yeah, 10 right. years before. All right, so you're unhappy for 10 years. Sorry, yes, yes, I was very unhappy for that 10 years. La. I mean, it started off being great because I get to travel still. But then, you know, I made really, really good money. But then I was just really unhappy. I just didn't like what I was doing. I didn't, I didn't like my life in general. You know, I didn't like the person I was becoming as well. You know, very, very career-driven. You know, didn't care who I stepped on. Like didn't care what I did as long as, you know, at the end of the 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 month or the year, my bonuses were like you know, sky high, rocket high, right? For someone in their early twenties at that time, you know, it was just amazing. I was making more than most people were. You know, I was I had really bought my purchased my first house already. So it was like you know I could, I really could do whatever I want because I was really not committed to anything. Actually, be- because you did that and had collected all this, as you said, a lot of money and bonuses and so on, it kind of allowed you to walk away from it and do things on your own terms on your later in the next 10 years, right? Yes, so it, it did, it did. It did, um, it did allow me to do that. And the money was good there. But then I wanted more from that. I wanted something a little bit more. Uh, I wanted to do TV. And what happened was that um, I took a huge 
pay cut. I was paid like oh, it's for sure, yeah. Yeah, I was paid like six hundred dollars a month, and I was paid that kind of money for like a really, really like for six, seven, eight months. And I think the only reason why I could do that and still be able to afford my house and everything else was because I had made that money in my job, you know, and I'm quite a simple person. So I didn't, I don't need that much of money to like, you know, to live well. Yeah, of course, to do that. So there's a bit. So that was kind of like, even though you're unhappy for the ten years, there's still there's still some upside to that, lah. In that sense, definitely. I think the upside is also the friendships, friendships that I made because all my exposes from that industry, we're still friends till today. Oh wow! Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're still friends. Mm-hmm. So how do you how do you spend ten years hiding that you're unhappy? I just don't get it, right? And because now now people because you see now right people are happy about something ah uh, straight away they just type on on, on LinkedIn or Facebook or something ah this person ah uh, I don't uh, this thing I'm not happy and then 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 it goes blows up. But so now everybody is so very very reactive right? very very uh and they just you know very immediate uh, the the things that they do. So how do you manage to hide that keep that away for for ten years? Angry oh. Angry all the time, oh. just angry, oh. just angsty, oh. the ones that like, you know, just completely. And then, because I'm a very motivated person, right? So I did even better with, with my job, because I kind of channel all the negative. All the negative, focus it. Into something productive. Wow. wow. To beating out your competition. Ah. Very Attila the Hunt kind of. I'm sure that everybody fails <laughs> if I don't win. That's exactly it. That's exactly me. Exactly, I was like, right. If I'm not number one, then no one else can be. For you, right? Um, I think there's this there's this conflict a lot of times, right? With with people, I think young or old, uh, in whichever industry you're in, is is that I want to do something I love, definitely, right? But there's also that, uh, what delayed gratification, which is also very constantly talked about and I, I feel it's it's a good thing to have, right? But you can also get very unhappy in that delayed gratification part. I think that's what people are worried about, right? Case in point, your 10 years where you were just terribly unhappy, but at the same time, you're earning such good money. But it also allowed you, like Sean mentioned, to do what you wanted for that following years. Right and leading you up to today, you're so happy. You, you just love what you do. You love every day. What What do you think about that? You know, if people want to be as happy as you, and they're young right now, they're starting out where you were. What 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 would you say? I remember I had an I had this assistant. She kind of asked me, kind of asked me the same thing. Um, and I said to her, I said, in life, right, I have no expectations. You live for what you do, and you do the best that you can, but you never have expectations. That's the thing. Expectations is the root of uh, disappointment. When I was making the money, I was not thinking about like, oh, 10 years from now, I'm going to take this money and I'm going to go into the industry, you know, which, an industry of which I had like no knowledge of. Like, I didn't even feel like, how do I even get into an industry like this? You know, I didn't even study film at that time, right? And I think it's, it's I didn't think of that, you know. I think that we plan way too much in our lives, we're like, oh, okay, I mean, everything is a loan, like 30 years loan, uh, 10 years, you know, drive the same car kind of thing, you know, that kind of thing. If I'm not so focused on what happens 30 years later, but I enjoy that journey for the next 30 years, 
it, it, it's made it a lot easier for me. I, was like, I don't stress about you know, the unnecessary. I've always known like then that you know, I'm, age is my advantage. I felt, to be very honest, I, I always felt that I had room to make as many failures as possible. And I'm never afraid to start all over again. I'm very brave in the exam, which is I never like let, you know, people say, wow, so drastic. Like you every time change careers, right? I mean, my personal life is a different story. Like, I'm, you know, I don't make such big changes. But uh, in terms of my professional life, people always say, wow, you make such big changes, right? So I'm like, yeah, but one thing about me is I don't like wasting time as well because I realize I wasted time with the 10 years, right? So, make sure i like what i do what i like i'm happy right and if a shoe doesn't fit right stop trying to fit it on your legs like you're either gonna get blisters or you're gonna lose the shoe eventually because it's gonna fall right out and i always say this i said be okay with following your passion i want to be able to live it well you know i want to be able to to have no regrets and no regrets meaning what? no regrets is meaning that whatever time that it's given to me is 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 that is well loved. You've been obviously, as we've unpacked, you've been part of many industries, uh, child education, yoga, fitness, production, and so on. At what point in your life did you realize that you can actually make it in these industries? Since, you know, you're relatively successful in all of them. I need to vouch for this. Okay, this is very true because recently I, I, I do this production. I'm not going to, I can't, I'm not going to name it anyway. And then I had this, we had, we had this major, a lot of things to do, lah, okay, as with all productions. And then people then like how to solve uh, or what to do, right? Then this one of the solutions right, is oh just call Emma. <laughs> and, and that's actually, that, that is actually how I ended up calling her or talking to her, right? Because I uh, like, oh yeah, so many things are uh, how then like hey, no, 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 it's okay, just call Emma. So okay. And the best part is that next morning I I still did call Emma. She called me. Oh and I'm like okay. Yeah, it's the best part. I was like, I got a call, I was like, hey Sean, I got someone to speak to you. I'm like, oh who? Then I'm like, hello, it's Emma. I'm like, oh hi. <laughs> yeah. So Emma's the solution. Anyway, yeah. So so as you're saying. So you when people want to work with you, Emma. Okay, there's a reason for this, okay? Because like as you know, high energy as I am, right? I'm actually really calm uh you know, when faced with adversities. I'm 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 I, I would say I'm relatively calm. Like, you know, I'm not you know, they always say, oh, uh, lady bosses are very emotional. Uh, but I think I'm, I'm really one of the rare ones, right, that don't get emotional. Actually, I'm sorry. Uh, after working with a lot of people, I found that um, it's the other way around. I found out that actually lady bosses are more calm when it comes to stress. But when you're faced with um, male bosses, stress or not, they're emotional one. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. I had to say it. Okay. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> they are emotional creatures, you know, and they're driven by by certain things that nobody can explain. Whereas uh, women, when we work, we work, right? It's very logical. It's very practical. It is how do I solve so this as, problem? As, yeah. So as you were saying about stereotypes, <laughs> it is. As you were saying about cliches. <laughs> <laughs> I was not referring to you guys. It's not bad. It's not bad. You just have to realize that after a while, this is how a lot of them function. And this is how you have to also respond accordingly. Right? Yeah. So it's, it's, not, it's not particularly a bad thing. Yeah. You just have to learn how to deal with it. Lah. And then, no, when people want to work with Emma, she knows that she's kind of made it. She's kind of cool. 
uh, in general, right, as we, and, and, it's very, and I'm going to take us back specifically to media production because this is a podcast that targets mostly creative in, uh, freelancers anyway. In general, we know that media production uh, is very costly. It's very time-consuming. There's so many moving parts. You just said nine months, nine to 12 months, you work on it. With all this in mind, right, it makes sense for someone to want to work with you because you're seasoned over somebody who is, let's say, new. Like one, two years experience. So especially if you are new, how do you then break into this niche field in, in your opinion? Niche view as in a project a in, uh, niche view as in yeah, as in yes, in your in your in the kind of roles that you do. Should we even ask this? We are like introducing competition to all three of us on but anyway. No, please, I need I need more people to take over what I do, please take. <laughs> no, 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 no. I think I think I think we are in among the three of us, we're not selfish and I think we are very mentoring, you know. With among the three of us, I I somehow get the vibe we're very mentoring. So, whoever that wants to be a part of the industry, I'm I'm sure that we'll be more than willing and very very happy to be very open and to share. I think it's very good too because at the end of the day, I think one of the things that is lacking in the industry, right, is producers. I mean, you you a lot of technical crew and all that. You also have quite a few directors that are out there, but then you hardly hear about producers. Like there's you always hear there's not enough producers rather than there's too many producers. I think also in a, in a way because the role kind of like became very vague, the line, like suddenly producers also, sometimes it's producer in the Emma's, in the in this sense that Emma's talking about. Sometimes it's, and Yending also we familiar with, sometimes producer is like, if you write a director slash Japalang and everything. It's somehow, that, somehow that term, that term has become very, Flex, you know, malleable, I find recently. I don't know whether it's for good or for bad, but that's just the way it has been. So what advice then will you give to, you know, for if they want to just break in and just do producing and, and not be so confused and do, you know, three things, four things? I think I think as the role of a producer, I mean, number one thing is you got to love your Excel sheets, lah. you got to love your numbers. <laughs> but sometimes you're dealing with millions, right? And it's not yours. That, and that's it's even not yours. Yeah. And I think you have to be older one to be able to handle such a role i think uh, older i'm not talking about in terms of age wise i'm talking about experience wise as well because for people to put their money in you right it's got to do a lot of trust you have to earn i think at the end of the day trust has to be earned you know if you want to eventually be a producer uh, i think it's very important that you use that period of time you know as your journey towards being a producer to gain that trust I think that is essentially what it is. When you're dealing with money aspects, I think it's also very important. And what Sean said is very true. I mean, I've run businesses, so I know about projection. I know about projection. I know that when it comes to these COVID times, of three times like this, you know, where my contingency money will have to go, you know, I have to factor in my extra overtime in case somebody gets COVID and then we've got lockdown, the whole production, you know, at that time, all these things need to be, you know, forward thinking you know i think as a producer as well we also have to be very resourceful you know like what you just said if anything goes wrong or there's a problem for me is i when i hire my crew right you guys are heads of departments which means i will never make your decisions for you you are heads for a reason because you are damn good at what you do and i respect you for that and therefore i am not you know i don't specialize in this aspect of it I have no right unless you feel that we should sit down together to make a decision, you know, then with all of that, I will let you manage your responsibilities. But I'm always here, 
which means to say there will be moments in time where you can call you call on your producer and say like you what Sean said like oh we have this all these things like how are we going to solve this of course every department has a part to play I like what you're saying where you know in that example it's not the failure of your you know in this case it was a location manager that didn't happen because I think people are very quick to do that. Like people get very defensive and all that. Hey, no, 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 no. And then they just point, they point fingers and so on. And, and that kind of thing is, I wish that it happened less. But it it just does. And, and especially like you know, uh, when they when they deal dealing with so many people, it, you know, it gets very easy to get into that, into that mode. Yeah. So maybe this is this is the reason why so many people like to work with you, Emma. You have this view about how things are supposed to be done. And it's with the benefit of having done other things as well. Uh, because someone who has been fully entrenched, like twin, uh, never done any other industry, would probably you know, not approach it in this, in this uh, angle. I would say so too. I think having run the businesses that I've run, and, and I mean, obviously, when I talk about the business I've run, I'm not talking about, you know, there have been like five people that I have to manage, but there have also been times where I have to manage 20 people as well. And when I'm on production, you know, my crew size can go up to 20 to 30 people as well. And she's also proven she gets her, head, her fingers and hands dirty as the way she goes in a bear suit to run around and, <laughs> and do a mascot herself. So, after all these uh, things that you've, you talked about, Emma, uh, what do you wish that the Singapore media industry can learn uh, more of? Like, you know, given that I've been in this industry, I've only come back to this industry right only in the last two and a half years i don't think that i should be dishing out any advice or what they can learn from right but you know what i really like i really like that you know we have evolved since i left you know our commissioners are really a lot more open-minded now you know a lot of genres that we never would dare to do before we would only do the same stuff is now being seriously considered or is being commissioned. But it's because they're being challenged as well, right? By Netflix and so on. It is. And I think that's where I was like going on next about like, and it's also the one thing that I feel that, you know, has, but has remained a bit stagnant is that sometimes we think so small of ourselves, right? That we are nothing beyond our shores. And I think that's, you know, an important aspect that we need to remind ourselves, right? That we don't just need to survive on our own and that we, we, you know, we are small island. Everybody knows everyone. The whole industry, we all know who the directors are, right? And and who the you know production houses are. If we can collaborate more together, which I I'm starting to see now, you know, um, and we can think out of the box, then I think there's a better opportunity for us to you know kind of grow, you know. And when I say think out of the box, like what Sean just said about Netflix and style content, you know, very very daring content out there, right? And and I think that's a good it's a good start because then you know we we we're more brave to follow in our paths right and be able to to not think about oh my gosh this is never going to be you know uh this senses are never going to agree to that I think I'm seeing more of that now you know people are a lot more brave um but I would say that if there's anything right that I hope that our industry can actually uh, give a chance to is to listen to our young and aspiring. Sometimes they are the hungry ones and with the right opportunity, right? They will actually help us to look beyond the traditional way of how things have been done before. Mentoring is very important, especially with the veterans out there, you know? We really can't bring our craft with us when we leave, to be very honest. You know, it needs, it needs to be handed on 
and that's why I say if there's anyone that is young and like you know I have spoken to someone that's very promising you know I asked her I mean with all my with all my interns that I've worked with and the the young ones that I worked with I always say like hey can I ask you they may be in a certain position in the crew in my crew lah but I always say okay if I give you this whole production which department do you see yourself in? When I see that they have potential for some, they, they have the passion for the industry. And they will tell me, they usually tell me, oh, I want to do this, I want to do posts, I want to do editing, I want to do wardrobe, I want to do locations next. You know, they will tell me. And my next production, well, I'll call them back in with that role in specific for that, so that they take the opportunity to learn that role and then decide for them that if that's something that they are keen on. You know, they may come out and say, oh, I hate this. I wish I didn't do it. But okay, I give you an opportunity to learn. I'm not here to judge. I'm not here to say, well, I hire you as a location person, but you stand sucky at your job. I hire you because I know it's something that you wanted to do. If you want to do it, right, fortunately, someone who knows this, right, gives you that opportunity to do it, right, and guide you along the way, right, then it's like you see lesser of a fallout from our industry. Yeah, that's true. Because then they would learn maybe an aspect of locations or because they have the right attitude. I think that's very important. I can put them anywhere, you know, they want to do wardrobe, I put them under the wardrobe manager, I put them under the locations manager. And then they say, okay, I don't want to do this. But then they still have the right attitude. They leave that department, maybe not liking it, but still getting along with everyone else because of the right attitude. And then they go on, I put them in another department and finally they found their placement. Why we have such a huge fallout is because a lot of times, a lot of people join the production, right? Or they, they, whatever it is. And then they have such a bad experience, right? That they say, that's it. It's enough for me. I'm not, I'm, this industry is not worth it. Because we know what to This industry, if we are part of it, it's never to make money. We'll always be poor, Sean. <laughs> I I had this intern once. He worked with me, not mine because not my company. But I, I was I was doing this production. So as a, I was a director of this production, and they had this bunch of interns, and they of course no no more, more often than not interns. You know they are they are, they are PAs lah, More often than not. And then at the end of it, I asked the uh, oh so how you know any of the show and the project. So how is it like? And this intern actually said he what he has decided is that he doesn't want to do production. He wants to do crew. And I said oh why you want to do crew? He said, oh, because, right, I helped to mail out their checks and I saw what they got, what they got at the OT. Then I look at what you are getting as a director and what, what for I do director and all that. And in all fairness, he is cool today. <laughs> I would do, I would be, I would say, yeah, okay, it's not to make money, but actually, also, it is a consideration. It is a consideration. And I say, good for you, man. Go, go, go be the crew. I completely agree with you. If I had known this like 12 years ago, I probably would be a crew as well. <laughs> but anyway, but the point here is, okay, so anyway, so to make it, you know, you know, Emma knows she made it when she, you know people are working for her. You know you made it when Emma wants to work with you. Ah. <laughs> so, <laughs> no, 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 no. I want to, I want to color, I want to color correct that. Okay, but it's not whether I want to work with you or not. It's the matter of whether I, I, I choose my projects based on the content that's being produced. So, it's whether I resonate with that content or not. Whether I read the concept and I feel for it or not. That is when I decide. It's not. I don't take things personal as to who I want to work with. It's the concept itself that is what resonates with me. The project you know? itself, la, yeah. The, the... So on the note of projection, as you're saying, you know, since you're since you came from that background, finance background, that 
Okay, we know we know that going forward, uh, I mean, we know that in the last few months, uh, inflation has been a very, very, very big, big, big issue for everybody. And going forward, it's likely to improve very much. How do you see inflation actually going to be affecting the whole production line going forward? Because we, we know that, as you say, it's not to make money and our budgets haven't exactly followed the rate, inflation rate over the years, right? And so how do you, what do you see the challenge coming forward ahead with this situation coming? I mean, there's so many rumours, right? There's so many rumours about... Um... Well, of course, I did see it coming, right? From, yeah, me, from we, a producer we, point of view. Yeah, I saw, okay. like, everything sort of, like, up and then, but my budget stayed, like, you know, got compressed and then everything just got very messy. I guess it, it, it. I mean, it has. I'm not gonna worry about that now, because <laughs> I'm not. Re- I'm not in any production right now. But I will be. I've already. I, I have my projects for 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 next year already. Uh, for the next year and a half already. So I've I have that in place for myself. Uh, but you know, it's hard for me to even answer this question because I've got nothing ongoing. And what with my next production, oh, but, right? But you're eighteen months ahead. All of the, you know, I I know what my control of the budget is. I know how to control that. I really have my, you know, contingency plan one, two, three, four, five. And that's one thing about me, yeah. Contingency plan. I'm always thinking about, you know, my 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 plans along the way, you know, what if this, okay, then what is next? And these things really uncalled for. No need to think about this, but I still think about this, you know, and I as we know, inflation is something that we're we're going to be you know, not just inflation, just some really bad R words out there, you know. Oh, yeah, yeah, I know what they are. Play, right? But I'm not going to think so much about that, lah. I'm not going to think so much. And, you know, I know I have to. I have to think about it when the time comes, but it's just not time yet. Yeah, sticking to your don't worry too much. I have too much expectation. Just... I, yeah. I, I, don't, I don't worry. My contingency is always the same. Call Emma. <laughs> I mean, a few months down the road, like really, do we have control over what few months down the road? If you really don't, well, then you spend the next five months thinking about what's going to happen in a month. Then I, I promise you, and we all know this for a fact, the production will get done, it will be completed, it will be delivered, and we'll all be good and working on our next. That's, that's, that's the it. point. That's the, that's the main thing that you have to think about. Yes. Eventually, it will get completed. Whether it's painful or not, I don't know lah. But you will. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Whether it's painful or not, it's another matter. <laughs> I never thought about it that way. I never thought about it that way. I just need to unpack this. Uh, because we've been speaking to you, have been very high energy and all that very, uh, you know, with a lot of uh, very positive vibes. If we were to go back to your school days and take out your report card, right, what, were your, what would it say about you? I was really a very bad student. I had... I had other priorities in my life. Clearly, you're ADHD. That's, that's such a nice way to put it. I had other priorities in my life. But it's funny that you asked me this, Sean, really. Because I really need to say this out loud. I've been thinking about it, right? So, I was possibly the worst Mandarin student in my school. The possibly the worst. I don't think there was really anyone that is like, as bad as me, right? And one of my series, uh, was just Mandarin series, is just uh, nominated for uh, Content Asia. And uh, a fellow director, she said, she said, wow, your Chinese teacher must be very proud of you. Uh, I told her, I said, uh, I think my Chinese teacher would not believe uh, that I'm producing Mandarin shows right now, uh, you know? Because I'm the most unlikely, like, you know, in school, they always are, like, the most unlikely to, you know, succeed in producing Mandarin shows, right? <laughs> yeah, that would be you. Well, oh, sorry, what school is this? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> uh, that, 
this is my secondary school Saint Joseph convent. My parents, my mom, the only one that like is Chinese in the family. She's not even living in Singapore at that time. Then like, hey, come on, like who would speak to me in Mandarin, right? Like Mandarin was not even a focus. I mean, yeah, I dated some guy like my boyfriend. Then like, he can he speaks more Mandarin than me, like, You know, with intention, I like, date a Chinese boy, right? With the fact of trying to inter, you know, you know, improve which, right? It's not like the blind eating the blind. I mean, two two fifteen year old kids speaking Chinese to each other. That's <laughs> true. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I'm gonna high five you on that, okay? Because my Chinese is very bad. My Chinese is bad. I, I, I remember, right? If if there's any instance where I got like above fifty or point hundred for Chinese. It'll be like a party for for the Chinese teacher. She'll be like, "Yeah, yeah, oh yeah," and I'll be like, "Okay." So, but and then and and it's one of my regrets actually because it means that I you know I I I kind of like cannot do certain shows lah because of that. But but no, uh, Emma yeah. has proven you wrong. Yeah, but <laughs> Emma has proven me wrong. Emma has proven me wrong. So, see, who to those who say that Sean cannot do Chinese shows ah, but actually yeah. Got good case study here. Possible. <laughs> hey, but, but okay, to be very honest, right, I tell you, must push your own boundaries, right? So to everyone who is listening, right, like you really need to push your own boundaries. Like, you know, after I did a teenage textbook and then, you know, someone came to me and said, okay, what is it you want to do next? And I, and I, I turned to him and said, uh, Chinese drama. And then he was like, huh? How about Chinese drama? Like, because I knew that that was kind of my handi- handicap, you know, and the only way I was just going to get better, right, is to do something I'm not very good at. I specifically said Chinese drama because I know that that's not really, the language is already an issue. So when I did Chinese drama, I did a, I did a 10 episode Chinese drama and then I said, okay, I can do Chinese drama because I can read the script, right? Then I said, okay, what am I going to do next? I, oh, let's do docudrama. Okay, so I did docudrama. Then never done docudrama before, did docudrama and then mixed it in with Mandarin as well. I keep challenging myself this way you know to do something that i've never done before and that's when you know we come back to the fact that you know you really got to start it's not just proving i'm only out here to to prove to myself no one else you know i'm here to tell myself that it can be done okay that actually my chinese teacher actually consider you know taking going down to like go down to saint joseph's convent if he's still there <laughs> if you are going, you go back to school and tell her, hey, hey, see, see. no, my, my my impression of Emma has just gone up again because she just said I can read the script. I cannot write it. It was I can read it. I just can't write it. Same. I cannot write. I completely cannot write Chinese. And then then people are like, ah, oh, then no, yeah, too bad lah. <laughs> but, but see, because because she can read the Chinese script now, my impression and at this age, my impression of her has just gone up. She's going to favorites on my phone on my phone book right now, <laughs> like favorite number one. Uh, well, no, number two lah, below my wife lah. Wow, wow. Actually, it's very funny also. Like you know, when you do MC for your your friends, at least for the wedding lah, ask me to do Chinese. I'm like, are you kidding me? You went to school with me. Do you know my Chinese level? But the funny thing also is that if you Google Lo Yanling, right, you will find that there's this Chinese interview of her. Yeah, uh, so Chinese wow. interview of me, yeah. And I had to wow. I had to study for the interview. It's so funny. I, I really studied for the interview. I had to call my friends, like how you call Emma. I had to like, what's this in Chinese? Like, can you please tell me how to say this properly? <laughs> you know, it was it was uh like two weeks of of me stressing about it. <laughs> but I once was casted, I once was casted, uh, because I very rarely act, but I once was casted in a Chinese drama. 
Okay, and they I like I had two pages of scene. Okay, obviously I can't be the lead in the Chinese drama. Obviously, <laughs> I had two pages of scene in Chinese, and you know what happened? I gave the phone to my wife. I said, "Can you read all the lines for me?" Like listening to what you are saying and trying to like figure it out. Okay, but I, well, okay, yeah, I figured it out. So, but yeah, there are many ways to do it. The ending. So your way, your way is not like very <laughs> unusual. <laughs> but, uh, oh, oh, Chinese escapades. But I, I must admit, I'm not so, you know, it, it, it still, the language still scares me, quite honestly. It still scares me. You know, I, 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 still, I still feel a lot more comfortable uh, reading it, you know, um, reading my scripts in the privacy of my own <laughs> 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 but, but, but my colleagues or the people I work with, my post team, uh, who have been working with me on the last Chinese series, right? Last three Chinese series, right? They all say, hey, you've gotten so much better. Lifelong learning, uh, lifelong learning. So Emma, thank you so much for sharing with us for the past hour or so. Before we round out the whole interview, though, I do have one last question that we ask all our guests, right? If you look back in time and you had a time where you were the most uncool, what would you say to yourself back then? I'm cool when I followed someone else's dream rather than my own. I think what I would say to myself then and would be, it's okay to say no. We can always say no. You know, don't need to feel like, oh, I, 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 I need to look. You know, I need to, I can't be selfish, but no, it's okay. You know, saying no to something that I don't, you know, that I, 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 I don't feel for as much. Uh, but it's also to, I, I'm constantly reminding myself that I need to resonate with me, you know, with the projects that I'm doing. I definitely was most uncool when I had to, when it was about someone when you really should be about me. That's, that's a deep one. I think that's the one that um, a lot of people do not think about, even even no matter how how old they are, right? It's not about age. You know, when you ask me this, right, um, there's this, it's, ha- it, it's happened twice and where I, I met with um, two very, very talented uh, individuals in, in the industry. And I sat down with them and I spoke to them and I found out that... Uh, both of them, they studied something completely uh, different, um, very professional degrees, you know, engineers, uh, doctors, lawyers, you know, very professional, you know, no doubt. Parents spent a lot of money on, you know, on them, right? Um, and they chose to leave that, leave that good engineering page off, and leave that very good, that law degree, and, and they decided to become part of our industry. You know, and I mean, I I applaud their bravery, you know, their courage, you know, to tell their parents. Obviously, parents, like, I asked them both, you know, I said, and how do your parents feel about it? Like, of course, Imshila, like, you know, totally went completely crazy on us, right? And, but we still, like, persevered on and we still choose to do what we do. I mean, they're, they're, one of them is a very, very, you know, respected producer right now. And, you know, the other, the other is now completing his uh, script writing degree as well, you know. To me, it's that they were the ones that said no. They didn't sell themselves out because of other people's expectations, you know. And it is so uncool to be living for someone else because it's your life. 
if people want to follow you and they want to follow you maybe via your socials, uh, where can our listeners do that? Of course, I know your, your Facebook says, please don't let me if I never spoke to you. But, yeah, but, but maybe, but where can our listeners follow your work? First and foremost, I'm not very active on Facebook. Uh, but I am active on Facebook. Lab. I'm not constantly updating my stuff on social media. So, I mean, as much as it would be great to like export, export, and expand my you know the people I work with uh, I think I think you can find me on LinkedIn yeah you can find me on LinkedIn uh, and if there's a will there is a way you will know my number and you will call me that's true the fact that Emma knows so many people you know there's six degrees of separation it's not that difficult if you want to so <laughs> but you need to have your will you need to have your will if you go to Facebook there is a messenger um you know, there's a messenger, you know, of a function where you can just drop me a message if you want to talk to me or like you want to talk to me about like, you know, work stuff or anything like that. I've had people like, you know, contact me on LinkedIn, contact me on Facebook that says, oh, we want to like talk more about to you about the industry, what is being commissioned, what are the kind of genres that, you know, the people are looking out for and, and you know, can you read my script, for example. I've always taken time out to, to kind of like, you know, speak to them. Uh, but then I mean, with that said, uh, please no abusive messages, okay? Because I want to tell you, and it's very, very true. I don't make I, you know, it's not one person that makes decision when a cast, you know, is decided on. Oh, or, for sure, for sure. Or when a crew is decided, on. it's never one person's decision. You know, there is always a few factors that is involved, la. So there's been times where, you know, people say, oh, like. Um, you know, there there have been times where like, oh, why did I get the like, oh, why why are you always working with this group of people? It's not me. It's really not me. I mean, it's it's what is most suitable. Who is most suitable? Well, people actually know? reach out to you for that. Yeah, yeah. We've had I've had people reach out. These accounts, right, are not real accounts as well. You know. Ayo. They are not so, real accounts. It's really sad. You know, they think that yeah, 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 like cowards. Yeah, that I'm the producer is the one blocking their road to fame, right? But it's really not me. I don't make the decisions. And to be very honest, uh, I like to work with the you know the like look at teenage. You know, my cast was all relatively unknown. So, you know, we choose to go with the beats that were not like familiar faces, not very familiar faces. Yeah, yeah. So so it. Yeah, send me, drop me something on Messenger. Are you also on Insta? I am on Insta. Please add me on Insta because now I post more on Insta. Uh, what was your handle? I think it's just Emma Newbronner. It would be easy to find today's guest, Emma Newbronner. You just search her on Facebook, on Instagram, you find it. And, and of course, thank you to our listeners as well. Drop us a five-star rating, leave us a review. You know what? Just support us, right? Because it's just cool to be uncool. Like this show? Then rate it five stars and subscribe to us on YouTube, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Uncool is a podcast by Creatives at Work. It is produced, written, and hosted by Sean Lee Wen and co-hosted by Yenling Lo, co-produced by Raven Lim, and edited by Ray Ung. Uncool. It's cool to be uncool. On the next episode of Uncool, part of your more famous and more of your uh, projects that have been Singapore Social, right? Yeah. I thought it was a great show. Uh, it was a great experience. It was Netflix Global. I mean, this came from Netflix US. I get to work with a American production team, but still in my home, in my country. We have new fans from around the world, unlike our Singapore fans who pretty much hated it. <laughs> Uncool. New episodes every Saturday.